The Old Testament is a wonderful repository of great lessons from God's interaction with man. God has many times spoken unto man through his servants, the prophets, and you and I would do well to look at those great lessons and learn from them. In Romans 15, in verse 4, Paul said, Whatever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. When you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he looks at the example of Israel, and he said these things were written for our admonition. And you and I need to study the Old Testament to try to be able to understand how God works with man. If I were able to choose one of the prophets that I feel like I identify with the most, that is in the sense that I uh, love his way of presenting things, it would be the prophet Jeremiah. And when you think of the book of Jeremiah, it's a very colorful book with a lot of strong personalities and strong characters. Uh, There's so many people in that book whose personality just comes out at you, and Jeremiah's among them. The time in which Jeremiah spoke, Judah was in decline, but they didn't believe it. Everything around them was pointing to the fact that they as a nation were going downward, but they didn't believe that they were going downward. They had deluded themselves. In fact, these people did not believe that their sins would catch up with them. They believed that God would just somehow bypass or overlook their sinful ways and God kept reminding them, no, that will not pass. That will not happen. I'd like for you to keep your Bibles open with me tonight to Jeremiah chapter 37. That's where we're going to study. In fact, what we're going to do is look at four basic lessons in this chapter. It's going to be four situations, if you will, that will develop. And then I want us to try to apply each of them our world today. And so what we're going to look at is verse 2, a predictable contempt for the Word of God. The fact that you could see the way the people were going to handle God's message to them before the message was ever delivered. Right after that, in verse 3, there's going to be a prayer for protection. We want your help, God. Not necessarily we want your word, but we want your help. You drop down to verses 15 and 16. And there is punishment for the prophet, not from God, but from the people because they did not like what he had to say. And then finally will be a petition for prophecy that we just read from in verse 17. So let's explore these four things. If you will, let's look at verses 1 and 2. And again, I encourage you, if you have your Bibles, and particularly if you mark in them, there might be some things that you want to take note of as we go through this section. Now, King Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, reigned instead of Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah. Now, I'm going to pause for just a moment. For some of you, you immediately say, okay, I'm tuning out all these kings. I don't know who they are. I don't know their personalities and stuff. Oh, there's a real richness within that. Jehoiakim was just a bad guy. I mean, they're just about as bad as you get. And Coniah or Jehoiachin, 
uh, who followed him wasn't any better. And Zedekiah was just a puppet. And Zedekiah is the one to whom the background of this is written. And when you get to verse 2, it says, But neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land gave heed to the words of the Lord, which he had spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. You see, the king, his inner court, his staff, his princely court, they didn't listen, nor did the people of the land listen. When God's message was delivered to them, now, when you listen to that, you might say, maybe it's just the circumstances. No, it's not the circumstances. This is predictable. Because if you go all the way back to the beginning of the book, you can go to, I'm just going to use a couple of examples. Chapter 6, verse 15 asks the question, Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. But then when you get to verse 16, God provides for them an answer. He says, Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. God says, I want you to go back and find the paths that were put there, the pathway that you ought to be following and walk in it. And they said, we won't do it. Don't intend to do it. You come to chapter 18 and verse 18, and then again you have stated about them. Then they said, come and let us devise plans against Jeremiah. For the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor word from the prophet. Come and let us attack him with the tongue. And let us not give heed to any of his words. They had their minds made up. We're going to say bad things about this prophet. Not only are we going to say bad things, we're not going to listen to a word he says. Is it any wonder by the time we get to chapter 37 that they're not going to listen to him and listen to God's word? 2 Chronicles chapter 36 verses 12 through 16 summarizes the rulership of Zedekiah. And it's very simple. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet. And then it says that if you go down to verse 14, moreover the leaders... Of the priest, the people transgressed more and more according to all the abominations of the nations that did defile the house of the Lord which he had consecrated in Jerusalem. But verse 15 says, And the Lord God of his fathers sent them by warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them. You see, God looked at these people and said, I love them, I care about them, I want them to succeed, I want them to do what is right, so I'll send them prophets to try to warn them. But verse 16 says, They mocked the messengers of God, despised His words, and scoffed at His prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against His people till there was no remedy. You know, you get to a point where the people have made it clear, we're not going to listen. We're going to refuse everything that you tell us to do. We're not going to follow your words, and that's very predictable. Now, for just a moment...
Think about the world which you and I live in today. Are there any people like those in Jeremiah's time? You see, some people, particularly those of the educated levels today in the universities and particularly the state universities, they view religion as nothing more than a superstition. And the writings of the Bible, just like the writings of the Quran or of any of the other, quote, sacred books, is just writings of superstitions. And because they do not recognize God, when God gives a command, it doesn't mean anything to them. Think about when Moses was sent to Pharaoh. And Moses' direction from God was, let my people go. Pharaoh's response was very simple. He said, who is the Lord? I do not know that I should obey the voice uh, to let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. I don't know him. I don't recognize him. I don't recognize his authority. And that's the way when you point out to people that the Bible says that it's one man, one woman for life, and they'll say, well, that's just your book. Oh, yeah, you believe the Bible, but the Bible's not, as you think, a word of God. I don't recognize it, and they don't obey it. Others pay lip service to God. That is, they say, yes, I believe there's a God in heaven, and yes, I believe in the book called the Bible, and particularly I think of politicians who are fond of quoting the scriptures and then they use profanity right after it or they do other things that demonstrate their lack of respect for God and His Word. And I think about a politician in the days of Jeremiah. In fact, the nephew of Zedekiah's name was Jehoiakim. And he had been the ruler, and Jeremiah had been instructed by God to write a scroll. And that scroll had been taken to Jehoiakim. It had been read before him, and notice what chapter 36, 23 says. It happened when Jehudi had read two or three columns that the king cut it with a scribe's knife and cast it in the fire that was on the hearth until all the scroll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Oh, we can just take and we can cut out what we don't like and we can throw it in the fire. Oh, that's not good. I don't believe I'm going to follow that one. You see, that's the way Israel reacted to God's Word. And there's a lot of people who will pay lip service that are not in the positions of power, but they're an everyday man. And they look at the Bible as something that inhibits their progress and their prosperity. In Psalms chapter 10, the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. His ways are always prospering. Your judgments are far above, out of his sight. As for his enemies, he sneers at them. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. And under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. These are the people who decide in their minds, I'm not going to listen to God. That might cramp my style. That might change the way I have to do business. As I move through, you get to verse 3, and it's amazing that verse 3 follows verse 2. And Zedekiah sent 
Jehuchal, the son of Shalemiah, Zephaniah, the son of Messiah, the priest, to the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Now listen carefully what he asked. Pray now the Lord our God for us. Really? You won't listen to him, but you want me to pray for you? But you see, there was a reason. Babylon was threatening. In fact, Babylon had surrounded the city of Jerusalem. But you see, there was a reprieve that was going to come. Pharaoh's army was coming up, and when Pharaoh's army came up, Babylon would break off and withdraw from Jerusalem for a short time. And what they were doing was asking for God's deliverance. And Jeremiah was saying, now wait just a second. You're going to change your mind very quickly about this because when you see Pharaoh's army coming, you're going to say, oh good, we got our deliverance. But he said, Pharaoh's army is going to leave and Babylon's going to come back and Babylon's going to destroy you. The truth is, too many want the blessings of prayer, but they don't want any obligations to go with it. We want to be able to ask God to give us things, but we don't want to do what God tells us to do. Let me give you what I think is a perfect illustration from Jeremiah. You go to chapter 42, the nation has fallen, a governor has been installed, and the people are asking now, Jeremiah, pray for us. Tell us what we need to do. Go ask God and let God provide for us some guidance and direction. And so when you get to chapter 42, verse 2, and said to Jeremiah the prophet, Please let our petition be acceptable to you and pray for us to the Lord your God for all this remnant since we are left but a few of many, as you can see, that the Lord your God may show us the way in which we should walk and the thing we should do. Then Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I've heard... Indeed, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall be that whatever the Lord answers you, I will declare it to you. I will keep back nothing back from you. So they said to Jeremiah, Let the Lord be true and a faithful witness between us. If we do not do according to everything which the Lord your God sends us by you, whether it is pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send you, that it may be well with us and we may obey the voice of the Lord our God. Did you hear what they said they would do? When the message comes back, it doesn't matter whether we like it or we don't, whether it's pleasing or displeasing, we're going to do it. Jeremiah said, I'm going to go pray for you. You might think that these people have a real intention of doing good, but drop down with me to verse 20. And Jeremiah says, for you were hypocrites. In your hearts when you sent me to the Lord your God saying, Pray for us, the Lord our God, according to all that the Lord your God says. So declare to us and we will do it. He said you were hypocrites because you never intended to do it. Too many people want to pray and say, God, deliver us, give to us, but with no intention of doing what God says to do. Now let's bring that forward to our time. How many people today only call upon God when it's a time of trouble? Oh, my family is falling apart. Our our children, they become worldly. 
and they're involved in ungodly things, how can, how can we reclaim our children? Maybe within our family we've got someone who's critically ill. Maybe they've been involved in a, a car accident. Maybe we've gotten terrible news that their life will only last a little while longer. Then we get down on our knees and we pray to God, God, show me what I need to do, how I need to change my life. And then, just like with them, a little reprieve comes. And then soon God has forgotten. See, the problem is God had already told Jeremiah in chapter 11 and verse 14, so do not pray for this people or lift up cry or prayer for them, for I will not hear them in the time of their trouble when they cry to me because of their trouble. John wrote much the same thing in 1 John 5, verses 14 through 16. He said, we know if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and we know that if we hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we'll have our petitions we've asked of him. And then he talks about seeing our brother sinning a sin unto death. And he says, if you sing a sin unto death, you don't pray for that one. It's a sin that a man will not repent of. He's going to be stubborn in doing what he wants to do. If one expects God to listen to him, then he ought to in turn be willing to listen to God and do what God says to do. Let's move to the third part of this lesson. Let's go now to chapter 37. Look at verses 15 and 16. Therefore the princes were angry with Jeremiah and struck him and put him in the prison in the house of Jonathan the scribe, for they had made that the prison. And when Jeremiah entered the dungeon and the cells, and Jeremiah remained there many days. Whenever I read this, I think about the trips to Jerusalem. One of the stops that we make is a place called St. Peter and Galincantu, and it is the house of Caiaphas. And you, there is built a beautiful, today, church building on top of that house. But as you go down and you go down and you go down, you actually go into what was a cistern under the house. We'd call it like a little cave or a cellar, if you will. The house of Jonathan, they had turned that one into a dungeon in a prison. Dark, damp, not the kind of place anyone would want to be placed. And Jeremiah is thrown there for many days. You see, they had rejected Jeremiah. They would rejected his message. His message was directly from God but they persecuted him for delivering it. If you want to identify with Jeremiah, just go to chapter 20. And you look at Jeremiah and he's talking to God. He's praying. He said, Oh Lord, you induced me and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I and have prevailed. I am in derision. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted violence and plunder. Because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. And then I said, I'll not make mention of him or speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it back, and I could not. For I heard many mocking fear on every side. 
Report, they say, and we'll report it. All my acquaintances watched for my stumbling, saying perhaps he can be induced. Then we will prevail against him, and we'll take our revenge on him. Jeremiah saying, everywhere I turn, people hate me. People mock me. They threaten me. Why? Simply because Jeremiah was doing what God made him do. When I go to the New Testament, as our Lord stands on the Mount of Beatitudes on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he delivers all those blessed are, blessed are. And you get to verse 10, and he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets that were before you. I know that for Jeremiah, it felt as if they were rejecting him. Just like Samuel, when they had asked for a king, they didn't want Samuel or God's plan anymore. They wanted someone else, and God has to calm Samuel down a little bit. And he tells him, For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Now, let's take the last part of this, the petition for prophecy. You see, this is really where it was all leading up to. Because Jeremiah is going to be released from that prison. And in verse 17, it says, He took and sent and took him out. And the king asked him secretly, saying in his house, Is there any word from the Lord? Now think about that. In the beginning, it says he wasn't going to listen to God, but he asked for prayers. He allowed them to throw him in the prison. But now he brings him out and he's secretly saying, Is there any word from the Lord? There is. You shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. You see, as I go through the Bible, there have been people often wanting to ask the prophets, is there a message from God? But when they get the message, they don't like the answers. I'll give you a good illustration from the days of Ahab the king. And you have the prophet Micaiah. And it says, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire the word of the Lord today. And the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead? Or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is still one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Because he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. And it says, it's Micaiah. Have you ever thought about that? I don't want him because what he tells us is bad. You know, there are some preachers of the gospel who will get up and tell you 
everything you want to do or anything you want to do is fine. There were 400 men willing to to tell Ahab that's just fine. But one man, Micaiah, said, no, it's evil. Today, people will ask preachers about God's word on certain subjects. And then they become angry with the answers that are given. I can't tell you how many times people will sit in the office and they'll come and they'll ask questions about their marriage. And then you go to passages like Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 6, and you read it. And then you read it the second time, sometimes the third time, and then it dawns on them what it actually says. And they have the audacity to get angry at you. Or maybe they want to ask some question about salvation. And then when you explain to them, here's what the Bible says. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Or Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And there's a well, you're making that into a work. No, I'm telling you what the scriptures say that a man must do. And they get angry. You talk about holy living. Talk about modest apparel. Talk about dancing. Talk about social drinking. People then become angry at you and say, That's not what I want to hear. Why ask God, is there any word if you don't intend to do it? Here's the lesson. Is there a message from God? Yes. That message is inspired. That is, it's from God. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. He said, No prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Paul said, If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. So when I read 1 Corinthians, or when I read the book of Romans, or I read the book of James, I'm not reading you. Paul and James, I'm really reading God's message through these men. I hope that I've illustrated from Jeremiah 37 a very plain principle. Is there any word from the Lord? Yes. What does God want me to do? He wants me to listen to it and obey it. What if it pleases me? Okay, fine. What if it doesn't please me? Do it anyway. Because God is God. Tonight, if you're not a Christian, we invite you to be obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, it is the Lord Himself who bids you to come. And we encourage you tonight, if you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins, that you do that. And if you're a child of God walking in sin and you need restoration, let's pray with you tonight. Would you come while together we stand and sing?